0: Hey, what goes great with Liberty, guys? Alcohol. But what's second best? Coffee. You nailed it. We got a brand new Morning Roar line of coffee through Anarco Coffee, which you can find at lionsofliberty.com forward slash coffee. But even better if you're a Pride member at the $10 level or up, you get 15% off every order. That's on top of all the other great content you get. Conspiracy Corners, Degenerate Gamblers, Do Nothing Man episodes, And not only that, but you'll also get access to the Legion of Liberty Doom. So join today at Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty.
1: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams.
0: Uh, apologies, guys. I'm holding my phone because I did write a very special climate-based com- comedy just for you. Um, so, yeah, I am a libertarian, which makes me instantly the least popular person in this room. I acknowledge that right off the bat. Just know for a fact everything you voted for last election I voted against. So <laughs> feel the hate. Uh, I will say this. I'm not a climate denier in any way, shape, or form. You know, a lot of people might think that about libertarians. not true. Um, but there's things that I have issues with. You know, I don't like the cult mentality that a lot of the uh, the climate change does – into people without any of the benefits of the cult, like the group sex or the cachet of guns. You know, it's like, these cultists, these climate cultists can't even fuck because condoms aren't biodegradable. Did you know that? And for people like me that might be interested in just, you know, cuddling up to some climate cutie, you know, maybe have a chance at a little uh, little intercourse, why bother? Because she's not going to be into it. And the last thing I need is some rough hand job into a very, very brown and Crunchy biodegradable paper towel at the end of the night. <laughs> it's not worth my time. <laughs> uh, either way, it doesn't really matter. Much like our current CO2 levels, my erections are not sustainable. So don't have to worry too much about that. Uh, polar bears' numbers are up despite being threatened that they were going to be going down. It's just, for me, it's just good to see a bear that knows how to fuck, you know? <laughs> Like these pandas have been going down for years, just sitting around, bambooing and chilling, never get past second base. <laughs> Pathetic. Uh, people are worried about rising sea levels. It's a big issue. For me, I say that that is uh, that's racist. That's racist against cis-speciesist. Cis-spec. I'll say cis-speciesists who hate the idea of mermaids using our land-based bathrooms. Related, you to ride with me on that joke and know what the hell a cis speciesness would even mean. Three people out there that got that. Here's a question for you: Which are more accurate, climate models or Tinder profile pictures? <laughs> you know? Uh, how about? I'm, by the way, I, I really, I credit to you guys. I'm surprised you're laughing at these jokes. <laughs> I thought I was going to getting booed and have organic fruit thrown at me. Uh, Climate scientists and ISIS have a lot in common. Anytime something goes wrong, they always rush to claim it. (laughs) Uh, Also not a big fan of the straw ban they've got going in California. That's one where, uh, you know, never to mention that it's based off like a sixth grader's paper, the whole stats thing. I don't need to get into that until we get into our discussion. But the biggest problem I have is I'm so sick of every one of my bills being covered in cocaine and blood. Bring back straws. Not a big cocaine crowd here. All right. Just save that for the closer. All right. Uh, I like uh, AOC's uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's got the the Green New Deal coming out, which, you know, there might be some things you like. There might be some things you don't like. But attacking America's hamburgers, that's going to start you a civil war. Guaranteed, you want to see this nation turn against each other, you're going to have an army of artery clogged fatties going against iron deficient vegans in a very, you know, a battle of very short bursts of activity. No going upstairs allowed. No steep inclines, only really no uh, bunker hill. No one can get up the hill. Toby, I could barely see him get across the parking lot trying to get out of his Prius earlier. <laughs> Just celery not to clog. Anyway, moving on. Uh... Last joke. I'm going to end on this. I go fast and hard. Prodigy's lead singer, Keith Flint, died today. Yeah, rest in peace. But the good news is, that's already a win for you environmentalists, right? Climate Nuts 1, Firestarters 0. Mm, guess you had to know who Prodigy is. Should have saved that one for the middle. All right, guys. Thanks a lot of Brian McWilliams. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 120. I mean, you can find all the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL120. Now, that was a uh, impromptu comedy set. You know, I wrote some jokes, especially for a podcast I was on for the guest today. Podcast and live show called Up Close and Political. So I to give you a little taste of that before I bring him in. By the way, happy tax day. What was your favorite tax that the government uses your money for? Is it wars? Is it education? Otherwise known as indoctrination? All I know is it's still theft. Yeah, now, without further ado, my guest. All right, so as mentioned, I do have a special guest today. He is uh, a guy I've known for a while in the comedy scene. Uh, I'm very fond of him, and he's got his own podcast and also live show that I was on. He was gracious enough to uh, to have me on that. It is the one and the only Toby Morishianu, I think I said that right. Did I mess it up again? But anyway, hold on. Borciano. Borciano. It's like <laughs> the name is one of a kind if nothing else. It really is. But, you know, so the the show you had me on was up close and political and yeah. uh, it was really interesting. You know, let's let's talk a little bit about that at the at the top of it because before we get into some of the topics I want to to get into with you today, um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on for a while now, and I appreciate mm-hmm. you having me on your program and your, and your show was that, you know, I know so many people in Los Angeles and, uh, and so many people that are, are left leaning, which you are left leaning, but I'll let you identify your own politics in a moment. But one of the things I really appreciated is looking at your social media and reading a lot of the stuff you post on Facebook. You know, they're very, a lot of them be longer posts, but they're very well thought out. And I find that a lot of the time they're very fair. You know, it's not just taking it one political bent and running with it with your fingers in your ears, type of thing like we see so often and is so prevalent in Los Angeles and probably the world at large. So, you know, give me a little bit of, of insight into where you feel your politics do land and then tell us all a little bit about uh, the podcast and the show that you do and, and why that came about and the goals of it.
1: Oh, great. Um, so, politically, if I had to put a label on myself, I'd say I'm a moderate. Um, I used to be a centrist. Um, voted for a third party in 2012, I believe. Which guy? Which uh, one? Which which person? Jill Stein, Ron Paul, <laughs> uh, Gary Johnson. Uh, oh, all right, all right. Did really well. He got third. Yeah, so, <laughs> right in there. Um, but
0: you couldn't go back on the Gary that Gary train last time
1: no so (laughs) he
0: burned once
1: so now i'm more center left like i used to be like i'm a centrist you know Mm -hmm. moderate and now like i do find trump to just be uh (laughs) appallingly stupid (laughs) and as a result it's just hard for me to try to find a middle ground but i still um and so you know I, i i um you know so i i I guess, identify as a, a Democrat. And, mm. uh, you know, I can't have too many qualms about that. But I guess I'm not closed-minded. I, there's, you know, Republicans who I respect in my personal life and have in my family and who I would consider supporting if they, um, you know, were running. But mm. um, uh, at this moment in time, I just... The level of, you know, know-nothingism that is celebrated by the, the Trump administration is mm. just
0: uh, really infuriates me. Um, I, I, so. I do find that it's like, you know, I mean, the Trump administration is definitely its own beast. And, you know, as someone who's so I, I've so distanced myself from both of the main political parties at this point, and I just I just find them both so upsetting. And, and I thought they have way too much in common. I now am at the point where I just, essentially just laugh. And I've been I'm greatly enjoying everything that the Trump administration <laughs> does from an ironic perspective. But, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like on both sides of the aisle, you know Trump; he'll make these grand pronouncements that we know are based in nothing nothing having to do with reality. And he is often cited as being a liar, which is definitely true, without a doubt, is true. But I always laugh because you know at what point did we actually believe the presidents ever told us the truth? I mean, mm. the whole point of the press secretary is simply to lie to people. So I laugh at that. But then I also, you know, you nailed it, kind of like this no nothingism. And I feel like on both sides, uh, the extreme aspects. Now, Trump, of course, is the president, but you know, you've got the, like we just did the the panel on the new green deal and you've mm-hmm. got AOC out there and half the things that she says are kind of the same line of just, you just, you shake your head because none of it makes sense that what she's saying and it's easily debunked, but yet they say it with such authoritative confidence, you know, like mm-hmm. AOC and Trump, I feel like almost are one in the same token, uh, just different sides of a coin in a lot of ways. So I'm, I do. I do
1: find that there is a strain of you know know no nothingism, if you want to call it that, anti intellectualism on Mm. the left, which rubs me the wrong way. I guess that's my core sort of fealty as a political person is. I try to be humble about what I know. Um, I try to be humble about you know what experts know, but I at the same time accept that people who spend their lives studying things probably know more than I do, Mm. and that I should at least. Uh, if not defer uh, you know if i if i don 't know much about something, I will be like okay let 's put the people let 's take the word of the people who spend their lives studying it and know the most about it because they probably if odds on if you are a betting person, have a better idea than I do, yeah, and what I see on the left is similar to what I see in the the sort of trumpist right, which is this vilification of experts as just being um part and parcel of the system or this, you know, uh, condescending elite, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which we can be, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, there are, there are, you know, no, no, it's not like a perfect tribe or anything like that. Um, but like this selective, um, vilification of expertise when they say things you don't want to hear. Right. Um, and I see that in AOC when she says, uh well, we don't have to balance our budget. We'll just mm-hmm. they don't pay for stuff, so we won't pay for stuff. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it's just new
0: money theory and that'll just take care of all of the world's issues. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Big amount of money equals big amount of money. So <laughs> I'm just gonna spend a big amount of money because they spend big amount of money. Yep. And that all balances out, you know, and it's like, uh no. Or like, you know, the you know, identity politics angle of it of, well, I don't care if you studied statistics. Mm-hmm. I am a woman, so I'm going to tell you what the wage gap is. <laughs> you but, know yeah, what I mean?
0: It's my personal story and my personal, you know, how I identify and how I see the world is cannot be assaulted from a, from a white man or any other person. Yeah, no, exactly right. And actually, you nailed. I mean, the wage gap is a, a an interesting example of that because I did a lot of did a lot of research into it, trying to find the latest. And even you know, the Pew research I was looking at, and they had you know done kind of one of the famous studies back in the day. Even they are to the point now where they're kind of. Um, you know, agreeing that look, we've gotten to the point now where the choices that people make seem to be the only explanation for the existing gap, which I think is down to something like seven or eleven cents for the newest generation of women coming out. So, but like you said, it's it's something where it's a rallying cry people take up all the time, and so often on both sides, and both sides, and you know, from the libertarian perspective as well. Anything that challenges one's worldview seems to be rejected outright because of you know people's egoism, and it's just people tie themselves so closely to their their political beliefs where anything that challenges that is an assault on themselves and how they view themselves like basically their self esteem is assaulted if you dare to attack them from any point of view uh, from statistically or from any other point that might disprove what they've been thinking because it kind of shatters their worldview and shatters the ego, and you know we can't have that as as people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, totally.
1: Yeah. Everything is, is very personal.
0: Mm-hmm. And, so, um, so tell me a little bit about the show then that you're trying to do because your show, well, not that you're trying to do that You do do because your show is a combination live show, which is interesting because you've got people that definitely are not necessarily going to agree. Um, you know, I, when I was on the panel, it was, uh, myself, uh, another comedian and two, two experts that were, um, definitely left leading. Um, but, you know, I, I saw on other shows, you've had other uh, conservative voices on there, and it, you do a good job of balancing it and and striving for rational discussion. So what inspired you to create Up Close and Political, and where do you see it going from here?
1: So it came out of a, a show called Unsafe Space, which I ran for a couple of years with um, uh, my partner at the time, Lou Perez. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, uh,
0: we the uh, Internet TV. So people who yeah. listen are familiar with it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So we ran that podcast for... A couple of years, and basically the genesis of it was I felt like this was around 2014, and there was a lot of debate about, particularly in comedy, like rape jokes mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but it was also more broad than that, like what is it okay to to jokes about? And people are saying, well, people in the audience are really offended by this, but they aren't free to say something because <laughs> of the power of comedians. And other people are saying, like you shouldn't tell this joke or that joke. And me as a person, I've always enjoyed most the comedy that like, not just pushes buttons. Cause I don't, I'm not about like provoking for the sake of provoking, but I don't th- think you should be afraid to talk openly and honestly about rich topics. And I do think that's where the most, you know, thrilling comedy comes from. Um, you know, I think Hicks said that like, find something really worth saying and then make a joke about it. Don't just make a joke and then, you know, work backwards from there. Um, and so what I, what I wanted to do was basically create an environment where I'm like, Hey, you know, anyone can go up, you can say whatever you want, but you also be held to account. Like, you know, in this free speech vein, you have free speech, but I'm also going to give a a platform for the audience to weigh in and, uh, and I'm going to invite people who are actually experts to, who know what they're talking about, who can like, you know, so it isn't just like a comedian versus a random audience member. We actually have, you know, some real information coming in and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to also just create discussions I really wanted to see and really wanted to be a part of. And, um, and yeah, so it's been really interesting. We ran Unsafe Space for a couple of years. Eventually, we split one our separate ways. Um, and I started Up Close and Political, which is similar in format to that. There are a few differences. We have some segments. Um like a, one of my favorite ones. I don't know if we, I don't think we got to it during your show, but, uh, we were, I was cool. too Where long. Are you
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Cause people get going. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, was, I mean, like I said, I, I I think I said it like three times. I felt bad. Cause I just kept, I was like getting into it with people over and over again. Now granted, I was like the voice of dissent, I guess, of the group. So, uh, to be expected, but, but it was, it was still fun also, to do
1: Yeah. And there's also an element, and I think you got to play this role when you were here a little bit, but. Uh, a conservative or a libertarian is enough of a rarity in, in Los right. Angeles, at least an open one, that's often people like in the audience will be like, I just want to ask this to a person yeah. who's, not yeah. like, who's not liberal. Like, what do you think about this? Like, how do you justify that
0: or whatnot? Yeah. And I de- yeah, there were definitely um, a couple of those in the Q&A portion. And they were, I mean, it was fun. I was, you know, the guy came up to me after the show. He was like, was that okay? And I was like, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to happy to answer anything, man. You know, it's, this is what it's for. So, yeah, it was yeah. great.
1: But anyway, the um the, the segment uh, is just why are you like this? And it's actually, I think we actually did it when you were on my studio podcast. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. and It's just like talking about how people's beliefs have evolved over time and stuff like that and how they came to them. Mm-hmm. And you get really interesting stories out of it. You know, a lot of people, you know, you might talk to them about politics or even just about anything. And you don't really see that side of a person very often. So mm-hmm. it, it can be really kind of fascinating
0: yeah and you definitely don't get to, to hear people's stories in a i guess a neutral setting you know because so often when we talk politics it's at a bar or it's in a in a social media forum and it just amplifies so quickly to the point where it it, it quickly becomes having a dialogue into just uh yeah we use autistic screeching uh, a lot of times in the libertarian world yeah. Yeah. to describe the way in which we argue with each other so mm-hmm. you know you get to that point very quickly and it's hard to get you know, exactly. A feel for somebody, what they went through that might have brought them to that point. And I think, you know, we're talking about the Trump dynamic and and I, you know, I believe wholeheartedly the reason that he became president was because people have these conversations past each other and don't actually listen to the concerns. And I think that those concerns were were magnifying. He kind of hit a lot of a lot of things that are glanced over in the media, um, you know, glanced over by the entertainment and people that are on the coast that just don't see some of the issues that were prominent for you know this massive voting block in the center of the country and if they ever dared to bring up some of these issues like immigration or like um you know the uh, the different workers and how they might feel uh, to i mean even something as simple as you know a concept that's been around forever but the advancing of colored peoples uh, as opposed to giving everybody an equal shot at a job let's say when you are that mass middle america which is predominantly white you can't talk about these things openly because you immediately get shot down or labeled with the, the racist term, whereas, you know, they're not, it, those concerns aren't going away. They're just getting buried deeper. And now they're coming out with the evidence of Trump becoming president for having the gall to address them.
1: Yeah, I do think that it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, I think that the way we kind of have conversations overall is broken and and partially because it's, it's broken because of not just the media overall, but also uh, social media, where mm-hmm. the way I experience a political debate is seeing someone who is in my broader tribe dunking on someone else, right. and that gets a million retweets and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then literally, someone across the aisle can be seeing them, you know, getting dunked on and in the, in the opposite sense. Yeah, and you know, culture, you know, it, you know, it, tribalism is obviously a thing that sort of humans naturally gravitate towards, but I think it sort of gets um, thrown into overdrive by these, you know, artificial uh, networks of people and, and and even strangers who we see populating our newsfeed. It, it gives you the sense that people like me, you know, don't like these people mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, and you're just going to be exposed to a thousand ways that, you're part of the right group, and they're part of the wrong group. And here's ways when your group is being treated unfairly. And the the paradox is that we have more conversations. You know, people say like, "Oh, they're not exposed to the talking points, or they're not exposed to the conversations." But we do have a lot. I would I would say an absolute turns probably more political conversation than maybe at any point in history. Yeah, I, and, agree with I do you. think that people broadly. See some of the arguments and things like that of the other side, and they've even done experiments where they interject like contrary points of view into people's Twitter feeds, and it mm-hmm. it actually just makes people <laughs> more polarized. Right? Yeah, because yeah. you know your instinct when you see an argument you disagree with is just to come up with um, counter arguments for that. Like you know it's motivated reasoning.
0: Yeah, precisely. And so
1: one one of the reasons I really wanted to have my show is I feel like we we are we're so good at saying that we need to have a conversation, but we haven't really figured out a great way to wrap it up (laughs) or to have it and have it lead to a productive way and i think that being face to face and seeing each other's humanity is a a, a, at the very least a helpful step in that without a doubt really uh the core of 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 being able to communicate with respect is having empathy for the other person is is caring about people and being willing to to play, not just to your audience um, online or, 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 you know, or get defensive, but to like try to find, you know, some sort of common ground.
0: No, I like your comments there. You know, Ray, rambling is what all, it's what the show's about. So don't worry about rambling. on. (laughs) But, um, you know, you'd said something and I agree with this is that we are having far more political discourse now, I think than ever before because of social media. But at the same time, I worry that, and I think you share a little bit of this, You know, we're talking about the value of communicating face to face and having a dialogue that's very respectful uh, as you're achieving with your show. But I feel like because of social media, people are less likely to have those interactions and people are spending so much more time on social media, on Mm -hmm. politics and talking rather than, you know, before you, you know, people would actually walk around their neighborhoods and talk to each other and, uh, you know, might talk about a movie or something else. And now, you know, like the water cooler at work, right? That would be, you know, we're both uh, comedians. You've written uh, for, for television shows, including Bill Maher. So, you know, when we talk about culture, people used to go to the water cooler and they'd talk about friends or what they saw on TV or the movie. And now I feel like that is dominated by politics because people, all they see on the social media feeds is politics. And even the entertainment, the broader entertainment spectrum is now so politically tinged. That it's hard to watch a television show or a movie that doesn't have some infusion. Like even Deadpool 2 had anti-Trump rhetoric embedded within it. And you're like, come on, man, I'm just here to I just want to see a guy curse and kill people. I don't need to be lectured <laughs> at. So I worry <laughs> that it's gotten to the point where it's like almost unavoidable. And that's separating us more as people because you're not getting to see the you know the other side of people. You're not getting to respect people as who they are, what they offer, how nice they are, and how they interact with you you might just key in on now the politics because that is at the forefront of all the conversations that we have.
1: I, you know, one thing I am not sure of is like, I like I'm in not just like a, you know, a liberal bubble or whatever like that, but also a bubble of people who care about these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I still do comedy shows. Right. And when I go on stage, if I talk about something, which everyone in my newsfeed is talking about, a lot of the time, no one has
0: fucking heard of
1: it.
0: <laughs> that's, that's a good reality check, actually. Yeah. Like I was a fire starter joke I made at your show that nobody knew what the hell I was talking about when the prodigy, <laughs> prodigy died and everybody was like, what? That's just because we're old. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. But yeah, I think like I was working with a, a
1: friend of mine who we were working together. And to be fair, it was in uh, Ontario but he made like a Jesse Smollett joke and no one knew who the fuck Jesse Smollett was. You know,
0: I, that's I'm a little surprised. I thought that would be such a crazy story that even up in Canada, they'd be shaking their heads and be like, Oh, you Americans, you know? Yeah. That's probably yeah. a terrible Canadian accent. I don't know why I was, I was like doing a half, a half <laughs> regular Canadian and a half kind of uh, Montreal. It was like half French and just half dumb sounding, but yeah. <laughs> The Jesse mm-hmm. Smollett thing was crazy, by the way. I don't know. I, we don't need to get off on a big tangent on that because we haven't even gotten into the main topic here, which is I want to, you know, I want to talk about Julian Assange and because uh, we are talking about free speech already as comedians. But yeah, that Jesse Smollett thing was fucking nuts, man. I still, don't, I mean, I get trying to give celebrities a little bit more leeway. I mean, God knows Lindsay Lohan's been in jail and out in 24 hours 17 times, but to, you know, to have this kind of con job to be perpetrated on the American people and play into. I guess, you know, the problem to me, which really got, got to me most pissed off was just that it's playing into the mainstream media's kind of narrative about Trump supporters and that everybody was just so willing to believe it and run with it before anything was confirmed. And then he just walks away and never admits, now granted, we don't have any evidence because the case is closed, but never admits any wrongdoing and still insists that he was accosted by these men that put a noose around his neck when well, we've got the two Nigerian guys like on camera buying the noose and like they basically confessed. It's just, it's mind boggling to me yeah i
1: mean it's really disappointing to me i mean uh for a number of reasons one is that he would do it is like really beyond the pale um and you know it was interesting to see people's reaction when it first came out when like it's like oh this is horrible but then like i was seeing people in my news feed being like how dare this news site say it's an alleged hate crime, uh, right, you know, yeah, yeah. Need to believe them, you know, like how dare they. And then like, and a lot of the details from the beginning didn't really
0: add up. Just, it, and, yeah, exactly. Like, right. You just, it was just so odd. And you're just like, okay, you were what in the subway and it was freezing and two guys in, the, in, in the, <laughs> notoriously white power, Chicago are coming up in the middle of the street and throw it. It's just, it was so over the top, ridiculous. And recognizing you from Empire. <laughs> <and> like <laughs> The most ridiculous
1: know. aspect of all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but at the same time, like, I think, you know, it's partially, it's a reaction to, you know, after all these mass shootings, there's some, yeah. you know, wackadoos who are like, oh, it's a false flag. Yeah. And you want to say it's fringe, but that's a large percentage of people now who are like, just straight up believe that Sandy Hook didn't happen. Yeah. And then going out and harassing people because of it, which yeah. is like, horrifying and so you you know you never want to believe something like that could be faked or you know made up but you know people do and one thing i one thing i just you know keep in mind is that no matter what tribe you are in there's some people who are just fucking crazy man you know they're crazy enough to commit crimes and they're crazy enough to make them up and
0: you know Um, Well, I think the issue with that (laughs) now is that more than, you know, like you said, there's people on both sides that are crazy enough to commit the crimes on both sides, make them up. And, you know, especially it comes down to, again, the media coverage and the social media coverage is that these incidents, which maybe in the past, I don't know, maybe there's happening more. I mean, I know mass shootings definitely are up. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. But I also blame to a large extent social media for that and media coverage for that because it's giving these people a platform. and, And this will kind of segue. Into our freedom of speech conversation um, right after I take this commercial break. We don't rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilicus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. train to win visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15 15-minute consultation just for listeners of the show all right we are back with my buddy toby morisciano morisciano, morisciano. we're getting there i'm, I'm so close man it's give it, <laughs> me, give it to me again uh toby morisciano morisciano there it is. Toby Morishanu, comedian, uh, purveyor of dialogue on the Up Close and Personal podcast and live Political. show. You can see here. <laughs> oh, God. Up Close and Personal. <laughs> I know it's based upon the Up Close and Personal. So, am naturally. Up Close and Political, pardon me, podcast and live show here in Hollywood. By the way, real quick, where else, uh, if people want to find you and any of your other content, what are you working on right now? Otherwise, you might want to tell people about where to follow you online, all that good stuff.
1: Okay. Um, so my website is tobythecomic.com, and that has links to all my other social media. I'm um, also, it might be interesting for people in this podcast, I run social media at, uh, at Freethink Media. I don't know if you're familiar with Camille Foster, um, mm-hmm. but uh, he works there. Um, it's like a, it's a news outlet. Um, we're more focused on just people changing the world in various ways, both from a technological and, and social perspective. But right now we're doing like a criminal justice week. So we're looking at people like the Invisible Institute, which is exposing like police brutality uh, complaints against Chicago police officers, which have, you know, been hidden for a long time. And uh, and, um, you know, people working on criminal justice reform.
0: That's awesome. Love it. And and yes, I'm a fan of Camille Foster as well. Actually, I believe he has been on this very podcast, not mine, but on Mark's podcast, uh, our Monday show he's been on before. so, yeah, that's fantastic, man. So keep up the good work. Anything justice reform, you have uh, all of our support without a doubt. Um, so getting back into the topic, we're actually actually getting to the topic here. So, um, you know, we, we went out talking a little bit about the mass shootings. And one of the things in this free speech-centric second half I want to talk about is that in New Zealand and in Australia, because the shooter in the Christchurch massacre that occurred um, was a uh, Australian national, it was in New Zealand, of course, massacred those people, posted a video live on Facebook, which was then shared and also had a manifesto, which I believe was available. I'm not sure if it was, it was on 4chan originally posted or if it was shared on Facebook. I'm not sure where it was nested, but New Zealand and Australia both have made it illegal to possess the video, to disseminate the video, and similarly to uh, disseminate his manifesto and it's punishable you know if you're a brand or a company i think it's you know some hundreds of thousands of dollars if you're an individual 10 years or up to 10 years in prison for simply sharing uh, what is the the truth i mean the video is what the video is the video so while his point of view might not be the truth what happened occurred and you know what what are your thoughts on this is this would this fall under the government crushing free speech the government uh, affecting what reality is interpreted by the populace or is this for the greater good? And do you think it would be justified?
1: Um, It's an interesting thing. You are getting my reaction in real time. I am. Um, Yes.
0: He did not know we were going to talk about this. So (laughs) you
1: have permission to misspeak somewhat. Yeah. So my, I'll just talk off the cuff. My first reaction is that penalty seems draconian. Mm. Um, The idea of doing years in prison for sharing a piece of content seems just very disproportionate um and born of the sort of throw the hammer at them throw the book at them kind of approach that we immediately have in the aftermath of heinous crimes Mm -hmm. um i am hesitant to say this is just information this was obviously footage which was of murder Mm-hmm. probably taken without the consent of the people he was murdering
0: you know i would presume he didn't have an intern going around and getting consent forms signed in advance but i don't know yeah. i don't know how i don't know how much this guy went in advance so i mean we do have you know laws
1: i, I think more broadly and correct me if i'm wrong uh about cro- profiting off of crimes and you know i think that this obviously this crime was not done for monetary gain but it was done to fulfill an agenda um You know, it's an act of terrorism, and so, um, you know, I, I, I am like, I can see you're torn. (laughs) I do, like, I've been on 4chan, and I see people like, you know, lauding this guy. Yeah. Um, but I'm also just kind of skeptical. So, like, for me, it seems like a bad thing you know like it's it seems like if i was just posting it it would that would be a morally reprehensible act to share this to 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 disseminate it more widely mm-hmm. even if it was under the guise of being like hey it's just something that happens you know these are innocent people that are being killed this is playing into the agenda of a person who was you know uh, evil mm-hmm. um and so i think it's immoral to share should it be illegal um You know, I think that's a harder question. Uh, I generally am just skeptical of people's ability to control information effectively. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, something that you always have to keep in mind is it's not like you can just wave a magic wand and this stuff happens. Um, You know, if you say, hey, Facebook, it's illegal to have on your website and the technology to to keep it off doesn't exist. You know, what
0: is Facebook going to do? Shut down video uploading like they have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like well I mean I I could see how they're yeah, and I know I I get what you're saying exactly and, and it's true. I I agree with this your statement that it would be it's morally wrong but I don't think it should be illegal cuz you know your concern is um valid in saying you know you could share it you could upload it you could use it for personal gain or you could use it for propaganda reasons which is true. However, my worry is of course on the other side of the coin and this plays into Julian Assange, Chelsea Manning, the whistleblower situation you know, when you have government being able to dictate the terms of what or what cannot be posted socially or, or, or even owned, as we talked about in the, in the case of Australia and New Zealand, that terrifies me, um, especially as we do get into an era of, you know, deep fakes and these videos where who knows what's going on. It's kind of like you know, to in the conversation somewhat. If you've ever seen the film The Running Man, where they uh, you know they take the video from this airplane or the helicopter of a massacre, which Arnold Schwarzenegger tried to stop, and they turn it into him mowing people down. You know, like, go ahead and shoot the troops. So, you know, you do have that kind of worry. And while in the past this would have been something where it sounds more ridiculous to talk about, we are technologically almost to the point where you do have the ability to to use deep fakes, to create reality out of nothing. And if you don't have a counterpoint to that, if you don't have the original available to you because the government's hidden it away, then the worries that we have presently of what's true and what's not true, what's fake and what's not fake, what's, what's to be believed, I think becomes even more prevalent rather than less prevalent, you know, as the government would argue and as regulators would argue when it comes to dissemination of news.
1: Hmm. It just seems
0: like the more information out there to me, the better. I mean, either way, people are going to be able to find, people have their bias. You know, They're going to think one way or the other. But I feel like if you have uh, the ability to access that information, you're more likely to be able to find the truth.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think this is coming from a very philosophical standpoint. Mm. And one thing that is tricky when we're talking about politics and where things could eventually go is weighing you know the direct outcomes versus the potential outcomes you know and how 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 much weight do we put on everything and are we just putting our finger on the scale to get the result that we want you know Mm. what I mean yeah um and so like part of me is not like thrilled with even just calling it information you know Mm. Because I think that sort of papers over um, that it's a real person with a real life and a real family being murdered Mm -hmm. and obviously non-consensually and that being, you know, used to fulfill a political agenda. And, you know, so like, honestly, like if you could just go to a library and view it in a viewing booth, Mm -hmm. that would be to me like a better solution. than Right. Like the old microfiche system. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, cause like the, the other part of this is that most of these social networks that it, it's getting distributed on, it's not allowed on those networks. No, true. Sure. it's,
0: it's against the, it's, it's a violation of posted agreed. Yeah. It's against the, yeah. whatever the agreement that you sign up for. But, you know, you said something that I wanted to key on real quick. And that is, um, you know, we're talking about people being massacred, kind of, you know, people being killed against their will and whether or not that's information that should be shared, you know, we're taking the, the victims into account Well. You could say that, okay, in this instance, you know, we're, we're trying to protect the victims and this is a horrible, heinous act. This ties in well with the Julian Assange, Chelsea Manning instance, because if the government's the one deciding, ah, oh, we have to protect these victims, we have to protect the these people being massacred, whatever else, you know, what if, what if it turns out to be people that are being massacred in a war state or in a situation where the government's at fault, then they're protecting us, right, for the greater good to make sure that they're protecting these victims, but when they can define those terms, when they have that license to, to operate in that manner, then you do have a situation where I worry that they're going to hide war crimes, that they're going to hide atrocities committed on behalf of the government, on behalf of the American people, for the greater good of protecting us from ourselves and protecting us from that information. And we might never know the truth without whistleblowers. Mm-hmm. And as I see, they're attacking, you know, they're going after Chelsea Manning. They're going after Julian Assange. So we're already seeing it kind of play out, which is why this emphasizes my worry when I see these kind of things happening.
1: Well, I think these are, uh, there's some differences between these scenarios, for one. Oh, I mean, without obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like with uh, WikiLeaks, and I have sort of a nuanced opinion on it. but well, Play um, it
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you're here
1: for. Well, to me, it's... The tricky thing is like, you know, we we always want to appeal to these principles like information or information should be free. But then like, you know, you weigh that against privacy, right? Which is another libertarian principle, right? Mm So if I have the ability to, you know, do what I want and be left to alone, if I choose to take a government job and then, you know, Julian Assange, even though I'm not involved in any crimes... Leaks my personal information, and suddenly I'm exposed. You know, if I'm in a a state like Iraq to attacks or, you know, have to flee my home and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. it's a violation of privacy. Um, And it's not responsible journalism. Responsible journalism would disseminate the information which is pure, which is relevant to the public interest while redacting information which is not um, and preserving privacy of people who deserve to have their privacy protected. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know, I think WikiLeaks by releasing the footage of of that those war crimes committed by Americans certainly did a good thing. but I do think that Julian Assange um also did immoral things and leaking the identities of people who are involved in sensitive activities but which who are not criminals
0: right um, and they did say that nobody you know there that was a one of the points that they were making after the initial dump, they say it, it risked the lives of people that were abroad, which is a viable point. I understand that point, although nobody, nobody ever actually was affected by it. So that it, while it while it might have been immoral, um, there were no nobody got killed. There was, there was no real fallout for the people that were in the field that could have been affected. But they did make that point, and and it could have understandably, when you're releasing that volume of information, without a doubt, it could have been something in there that somebody could key on. And it could have endangered people's lives. I do agree with you, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but as far as the greater, you know, you know, unmasking these war crimes, though, that is something where, I mean, and even the Obama administration did admit that they could not make a enough of a differentiation between WikiLeaks and what they had done and a, a traditional news organization. And that's why Obama never really uh, went after him. That's why he commuted, you know, uh, the sentence for Chelsea Manning as well, um, Not didn't obviously didn't uh, pardon her, but but that's why they had not gone after him like the Trump administration has done because the Trump administration is taking a different tack than going after him for, I think it's hacking or conspiracy to hack. So they're not even going after him for the particulars of sharing that information because they even themselves can't delineate where news organization stops and, you know, albino hacker that skateboards in the <laughs> <Victorian> embassy begins. <laughs> Yeah. So it's a little tricky, but uh, but let me ask this though, does it does it set up a dangerous precedent and is do you do you view it as an attack on the freedom of the press, do you view it as an attack on free speech what they've done with Chelsea Manning, you know, what they've done with Julian Assange. Where do you fall on this? So, um I'm not as intimately familiar with these cases,
1: uh truth be told. Um with Assange, uh I think that, as someone who has sublet to people who are shitty, <laughs> I can empathize with the Ecuadorian <laughs> position you know right. I get it. you're not taking care of your pets, you don't shower <laughs> enough, like this is speaking to my core experience <laughs> yeah um, and also uh no problem with them leaking that information about his hygiene <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> not true eh, quick pro quo <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and. And it's also like, and let's not forget, you know, there were also certain, you know, sexual misconduct allegations
0: and there were, though they, they did drop those though. Yeah, they did. They did. Okay. The, uh, the prosecutors dropped them because they couldn't, they didn't have enough to prosecute them. They couldn't get a, a case together. So they actually ended up dropping those in the end.
1: Is that true? I th- yeah. I thought I'd heard something about them, like, you know, potentially pursuing them now that he was no longer. And, uh, you know, custody. they. I, sup- but I this is like stuff that have. You know, yes. I see a headline, and I'm I'm not sure I can't. say. Yeah,
0: I I haven't heard anything new. I wouldn't be surprised if they did try to uh, to bring that up again now, considering the mm-hmm. circumstances. But at the time, I know if this is a few years ago now, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there were like two sexual assault allegations or something like that. They had, they had dropped them because there wasn't enough evidence. However, I could see that now, just like you know, Chelsea Manning. I, I I'm upset by the way because Obama commuted her sentence again, not mm-hmm. not uh completely given the pardon, but you know, it just was immediately obvious that they were still going after her, you know, a whistleblower that exposed these crimes. And granted on the same level, you could say that she exposed far more than just what she intended to. But I guess, is that, is that part and parcel of the game though? You know, and when you're, when you're in this position that is so precarious, when you're doing something that, you know, to be morally right, but yet is going to be illegal. That is treasonous. That could literally, Mm -hmm. literally you could be put to death for doing, um, you know, do people have the luxury of, picking and choosing that information when they're trying to simply get the word out and expose something that they know is going to be against what you know Americans stand for or any person would stand for.
1: I mean, I think he, he had the option to, I mean, he was, when he released a lot of his information, hmm. he released it in partnership with news organizations, you know, like The Guardian and stuff right, like yeah. that. And I believe even at the time, they were critical that he wasn't redacting more and he could have worked with them to, you know, I'm sure with a, a trove of this magnitude. He could have worked with them and I wouldn't even have just been trusting one of them. He could have worked with multiple ones Yeah. Um, to re- help him go through and redact stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, it,
0: it's, so. I mean,
1: I, I do think that he acted not just illegally, but immorally and in, um, in this context of not redacting stuff. I also think he acted immorally when he did stuff like, you know, um, tell trump not to succeed, not to cede the presidency if he lost the election well, you know like those twitter uh,
0: that's, but that's also uh, you could i guess because of his position you could say well he has a maybe he has a certain inside knowledge he's hinting at although he never you know formally said it he also hinted that seth rich uh, was the person that gave all the democratic national committee emails to him uh, who of course ended up with bullets in the back of his head so you know i don't know if you could take everything julian assange says at face value if it's not Directly delivered to you uh, And I i actually might believe that theory But I mean I, but At the same time all journalists have, They all have their biases you know. So a lot of these people Is he any different from any of these people That are out on Twitter You know, The people that were calling for uh, The Covington kids to be doxxed And that people should beat them in the streets is that any different from Julian Assange saying, hey, you know, you might want not want to what? be the president? I would also say that is immoral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, you, you know, can't just say
1: like someone else did something bad. You know, I mean, multiple people can do multiple moral things from multiple angles. Uh, this was like the exchange with him and Don Jr. that was um, that Don Jr., I think, published or, or someone. Yeah,
0: yeah he, had, someone done, yeah, he had he had made that public. I still don't. I mean, I and, don't know. I, I still don't know if I, I necessarily would see that as. Uh... But ju- just let me finish. Okay. Oh, Uh, he's done other more. I I do
1: think that like the guise of WikiLeaks as being this truth telling organization that somehow never has any information on Russia or China or any of these brutal totalitarian regimes and somehow only seems to go after the people that like, you know, Russian intelligence (laughs) doesn't Mm. like, you know, I mean, I think it's, um, it goes beyond just uh, being, you know, quote unquote, truth tellers or journalists and, 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 veers into the territory of, um, irresponsible and, uh, politically motivated, um, dumps. And so when it comes to holding him accountable for the laws that he breaks, I don't have the same instinct of, well, but he did it for the greater good because Mm -hmm. I don't really see it as the greater good. I see it as fulfilling his political agenda, Mm -hmm. uh, in many cases, you know, even if sometimes it's aligned with my political agenda. I guess,
0: yeah, I mean, I guess I could I see, I see your point, I see your point for sure. And I, I guess my, where I come from is more along the lines of I'd rather, and this kind of plays with what we were talking about earlier too, is I I think I'd just rather have the truth. And however the truth comes out, I'm happy about that. Whether or not it, it aligns with my political biases or, or not, I'm happy to have the truth in whatever manner it's going to be delivered to me. And I'd rather still err on that side, whether that, brings with it its own inherent dangers, which of course it always does. I'd still rather have more truth, more transparency, um, you know, and I'll I'll accept the costs that come with that and the damages. Well, the thing, well, I guess I,
1: I also like having a lot of information. I am hesitant towards embracing partial truths, Mm -hmm. you know, when, okay, we're going to give you the truth about the Democrats dirty laundry, but not the Republicans. You know mm-hmm. is that the truth, or is that like well
0: he did he did uh release all mm-hmm. of Sarah Palin's emails back in the day too. It's like you know I, both sides that <laughs> they have had their the reasons they hate Julian Assange <laughs> over time, uh-huh. and I think that mass media at a, at a whole does that same kind of dance very often though as well mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I mean, you know there's a lot of bias everywhere yeah um what the other thing I was gonna say is um uh and also the you know. The truth, it's like, it's it's easy to say, well, I'll, I'll accept the risks of what that takes. But when again, it's the one at risk. Risk. <laughs> someone else, you know, there are the people who are paying the price. Yeah. And I mean, if you talk about deep fakes and that goes along with like, you know, with like hacked nudes, for example, yeah. do I have the right to know what Scarlett Johansson's ass looks like? It is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I believe her nickname
0: for her ass is the truth, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> no, that's true. I, and I, there's enough content. I think both of us have put out where if anybody wanted to make a deep fake of you saying the most atrocious things, even the ones I didn't say, it'd be very simple <laughs> to do. Um, you know, one thing. Let's so let's let's wrap it up. On uh, I was going to talk about the Pulitzers, but we've talked too long. Um, mm-hmm. So instead, there was one topic I sent through the to you that I, I hope you get a chance to look at. And I was just reading about it today. But you know, there's this anti-Israel or, or boycott. What's the middle one? Boycott, uh, divest, divest, yeah, and sanction Israel, right? And this is um, by Palestinian, basically Palestinian activists that are looking to non-violently protest the situation in Gaza and and the West Bank. And I was really appalled to see a story because I see there's a lot of states, number one, that are saying that it is illegal to boycott uh, Israel in this manner, which I I just, uh, it makes no sense to me. And then also now we're seeing the United States say that a man who is at the head of this this movement, to uh, the Israel BDS movement, he is no longer allowed to come in the country, uh, despite yeah. the fact that he's in good standing. He was, a, you know, like a, supposed to speak at Harvard. So, what are your thoughts on this? Is this paper. too far? What's that? He had valid travel papers, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, is this is this literally our government trying to uh, arrest free speech in the name of protecting an ally who? You know, a lot of people are very split on Israel. You know, even I myself am very split on Israel in the way that I I think about the the people versus the actions of the state there. So, Mm -hmm. where do you fall on this? Is this again beyond the pale, as you said earlier, or is this something where you could see it being a useful tool in the right circumstances? Um, What the BDS movement or the Uh, no no. The arresting the man, well, both. Give it. Give me oh, give yeah. your take don't on it. I think both. they arrested him. I think they blocked him from entry. Cor- yeah, correct. Is- well, I was just saying arresting uh, free speech. I was saying in a broader yeah. sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think this certainly falls in for me the category of like I may not agree with what you have to say, but you have a right to say it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not that it, it doesn't even matter that I'm I'm Jewish for what it's worth. I've been to Israel. You know, I have some ties there, Um, but and you know I've not a supporter of the BDS movement, but I a hundred percent believe they have the people have the right to be supporters of Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, I mean, the idea of blocking someone from entering the quote unquote land of the free because he believes something the administration doesn't like about a different country, right. <laughs> it's like right. Yeah, insane to me.
0: Yeah, it's not um, like he's running a, a any sort of actions that even have anything any relevance towards America and the way that we operate. Yeah. Really, it's just it just is, no. and it's nonviolent. It's not like he's right.
1: even crossing <laughs> that bridge. It's a a means of literal nonviolence, boycotting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to fulfill a political aim, it's completely legitimate to advocate for that. Um. Yeah. Well, Even if, you know, I, I might not advocate it for it myself. And right. so I was kind of dismayed. I the, the whole politics with America and Israel is really kind of crazy and befuddling to me, honestly.
0: It's it's one of those things where, you know, like I said, I have, I've, I've met many Israelis. I love them as a people and uh, you know, have clients and obviously many, many, many Jewish friends here. But the actions of the state, I find to be uh, really worrisome. And as you said, the relationship between America and Israel, I find worrying. Just because it, for me, it reinforces the military industrial complex here, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because we do so many transactions militarily with Israel. But like you were saying, you know, it's it's something where they're using America. Like one of the reasons they said they didn't want to let him in was because he was at the head of this organization, which they said could be like a conduit for terrorism. And that's Mm -hmm. where really, uh, for me, it it just kind of drives me over the edge. Not only is it an attack on the free speech, as you said, a nonviolent movement. But also, it's like this language they've invented under the guise of the war on terror, and we use it across the globe now, you know, in Africa and Israel, everywhere to say, well, this is a potential terrorist organization. And that's, I guess, the reason they can justify squashing free speech and not letting this man in and doing all these different horrible, atrocious actions around the globe, because, you know, the boogeyman is out there now. And we just keep reinvesting in this boogeyman over and over again, uh, to the point where, you know, we're we're receiving more and more freedoms at home.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like saying, well, you know, your ears could get cancer, (laughs) so let's, let's, let's cut them off, you know? Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, Um, it's, it's just this amorphous language they keep inventing and it's just, there's no end to it, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I think, and I have friends who have, you know, been active in organizations like, uh, CARE, for example, Mm -hmm. the Council for American Islamic Relations, Mm -hmm. and you know, just doing cherry stuff, comedy shows like community events, totally normal stuff. But there's conspiracy theories on the internet. Oh, you know, because... Well, the head of care knows this person who's bad because they said this thing about Farrakhan, you know? Yeah. So it becomes this game of hopscotch where if we can connect you to someone who we've decided we don't like, then we don't like you. Right. Then you're dangerous. And then your organization is dangerous. Right. It's like Kevin Bacon, but, you know, with people who aren't
0: allowed Ex- to eat bacon. Exactly, man. No, exactly right. All right. Well, I would, I would, uh, wrap it up here. We've talked a good, a good hour. I appreciate it. It's always, it's but honestly, I, I'm really glad it's been too long since I, uh, you know, I wanted to have you on for a very long time. So I'm glad we finally got you on and um, where, you know, you already told people they can find you at uh, freethinkmedia.com. Do you want to give them your Twitter so they can follow you on Twitter as well?
1: Yeah, it's at Toby, however you pronounce my last name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Toby, I'll spell it out for you. Yeah, exactly. R E S I A N U. I know I got to get a stage name or something.
0: <laughs> and I'll also I'll link to it in the show notes page guys, which you can find at lionsofliberty.com forward slash E L L one two zero. So I'll put uh free think media there. I'll put your website and I'll put your Twitter feed. So people can just click the, there it's everything. It's the buffet of Toby and uh, <laughs> you can, you can all come have a bite. So great okay. having you on, man. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, keep going. With uh, up close and political, keep going with everything you're working on. You are one of the uh, the good minds, I will say, both comedically and politically, and always a wonderful conversation. All right, take care. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having yeah. right, me. So that will wrap it up for this episode. A big thanks again to Toby Morishano. And as mentioned, I will link to all of his content at the show notes, lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL120. You know, I was just joking uh, at the end of the program after I stopped recording with him that I swear every time I have someone on that's not strictly libertarian, I get all sorts of shit from you guys. So knock it off. (laughs) Learn how to have a conversation. Also, big apologies for a little bit of echo on my end during this. uh, I still have not had a chance to put in some sound absorbers since we got the new floors in since I was out of town last week at a, uh, trade show, as you know. So I'll work on that. Hopefully by the time next episodes airs, I will have some echo absorbers. Otherwise I'll have to change the name of this podcast to the echoing bastard with Brian McWilliams might be a little bit more appropriate anyhow. All right, guys, that's going to do it from me. Brian McWilliams from the lions of Liberty from electric Liberty land. Always stay plugged into Liberty.